Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of The Green Pod, a University of Greenwich sustainability podcast. If this is your first time listening, this is a podcast to discuss sustainability at the university and our wider lives. Hopefully, with these short podcasts, we can provide a good point for you guys to delve into sustainability topics and hopefully engage with the sustainability team or eco-team projects. So it's been a while since we've had our last episode, so um, I'm excited to be sort of kicking this off again. But um, today we're joined by once again a familiar face, David Jackson. Um, I feel like I won't go in too much into sort of introducing you again, but um, anybody who's listened before has heard from me previously. But today we're discussing sustainability achievements for the year and sort of looking forward. So as always with the pod, David, um, this won't come as any surprise, but do you have a fun fact for us? Thank you, Ryan. Um, I do, although actually I'm going to mention this fun fact twice because it's also going to come up in uh, one of our questions that we're going to be discussing, but hopefully it will still be of interest to people. So because we're talking about the overall year, both in Greenwich and sort of globally, um, and there's lots of things which are have happened sort of recently that might not be as positive, but then there are still positive things that are happening. Um, so my fun fact is that the International Energy Agency uh, this year revealed that the global renewable electricity capacity is expanding at its fastest rate ever. And in 2020, that capacity rose 45%. So it's now producing 280 gigawatts. And actually, renewables have accounted for 90% of the global power sector's expansion last year. So even though fossil fuels might be making up the the majority of the total energy consumption in terms of the expansion renewables are actually far outweighing fossil fuels and and that is only going to be more positive in in the future so so that's my fun fact yeah that's a great one um and it's yeah encouraging that um there's been an increase in sort of renewable energy and stuff um yeah so we'll get right into it sort of what do you think is the biggest sustainability achievement of the academic year? So that can be sort of within the sustainability team or something that's changed within your role. Um, yeah, what would you say the biggest sustainability achievement of the academic year has been? So I would say that for Greenwich, probably the, the biggest thing that has happened is in December 2020, uh, our vice chancellor, so Jane Harrington, uh, committed for the university to become net zero by 2030. Um, so obviously that is a a big challenging target, but also it is a very exciting time um, to see what we can do to reduce our emissions to, to zero by, by 2030. Um, so in terms of, you know, obviously we need to succeed in tackling the, the climate emergency. We'll be talking about that a, a little bit later on. Um, but that means that people ourselves and as institutions, we need to adapt in, in basically everything that we do. Uh, everyone has a part to play. And I'm sure that listeners will agree, um, that, especially our student listeners, that obviously they want to see what we're doing as a university, and, and this is no different to students globally. So the National Union of Students, so the NUS, they do surveys, I think it's sort of every year or every couple of years, 
but the last survey revealed that 80% of students want their institution to do more on sustainable issues. And actually 60% of those, again, wanted to learn more around the topic, both in their degrees and personal lives. So obviously we recognise that that is a huge catalyst of positive change. And that's, you know, part of the reason why we are committing to, to be net zero, um, not just, you know, for, for ourselves and in our future, but for our future students in, you know, sort of many generations to come. Um, so, so yeah, that, that that's probably the, the biggest. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of what that means in, in, in reality, so net, our net zero target is basically focusing on the majority of our scope one and two emissions. Um, so if listeners don't know what that is, that's kind of the direct emissions that we have more control over. So like our energy consumption and sort of business travel and sort of our own transport fleets that we use to transport things between uh, our campuses. Um, and that is because we have more control over it. So the other scope is scope three, which is sort of indirect. So that's things like procurement. So what we buy, uh, commuter travel, uh, sort of how students and, and, and our staff get to each of our campuses. Uh, that is more difficult to control and actually monitor um, in terms of emissions. It can be quite difficult to calculate. Uh, I should say that we are calculating those emissions um, and we are coming up with plans in that area to reduce that. So over, um, you know, sort of traveling, the, the options to travel, um, how we buy things, where we can reuse things internally. So, you know, sort of furniture reuse and, and things like that um, and how we can sort of decarbonize all of that. But in terms of net zero, it is it is mostly scope one and scope two. Um, with that as well, um, so we've been working with uh, a company called Planet Mark, um, and they've actually verified our carbon footprint this year. So that means that we can be confident, and you know our students and staff and readers of of that report can be confident that we're actually accurate. We're transparent in all of our trends and analysis of our carbon footprint, um, and you know we're, we're having positive impact. Uh, and if people wanted to kind of get a flavour of what's happened to date, because obviously, you know, a lot of stuff has happened prior to us launching this in, in December. Um, so our scope one and two emissions have actually reduced by 52.4%. Uh, and this mm -hmm. is compared to our sort of 2005 uh, target, which was a 40% target by 2020. So obviously we've, we've met that and some, which is brilliant, but we realise there is, you know, there is still a long way to go. Um, we've got to do many other things that will need financial investment and it will need the support of our students and staff. But it's a, you know we're, we're kind of further along the, the, the green path, as it were, to, to get to that end goal of, of net zero, which is fantastic. Um, so that, that, is, that is probably the biggest achievement uh, mm -hmm. of, of our year. Um, and I would actually like to flip that over to, to you, Ryan, in terms of what you think uh, your sort of biggest uh, achievement has been this year as well. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So if the listeners don't know, I've actually um, sort of taken on a sustainability role at the University of London and um, doing sort of sustainability engagements. Um, the listeners sort of um, 
revisited one of our ISO episodes. Um, we passed all our ISO audits and yeah, we continue to sort of be uh, re-accredited with that. I think that's a big achievement, especially with some of the difficulties with COVID. One of sort of directly to my role, we launched a online engagement program where um, students across the globe have um, sort of been interacting around sustainability topics. So we have some students from Sri Lanka talking to a student in Ghana. And I really um, think that's a huge sort of benefit to everyone in terms of sharing the voices of students across the globe uh, in terms of sustainability and stuff. So I think launching that and getting reaccredited with ISO during this um during sort of COVID has been sort of our biggest achievements this year. That sounds extremely interesting. I'm sure we will probably uh, pick you and your team's brains over the international, uh, what, what you've sort of implemented, because that sounds really interesting. And we potentially would like to do the same at, uh, at Greenwich. And I know that um, I've also seen that your sort of social media, your uh, for, the, for your university is also sort of kicked on over the last few months that's that's really good to see as well yeah thank you um yeah and it would be great yeah to maybe do another episode about it um in more detail so obviously we yeah. covered the achievements and sort of blown our own horns in that sense but um what do you think the biggest challenges have been this year what have we both found difficult and what have, yeah specifically you found difficult so in terms of sustainability i and I'm, I'm probably going to not pin this down to, to one challenge. I'm going to keep it rather broad, which is probably very wrong of me. Um, but I think probably it's it's probably like it has been over the, the last few years in terms of we have made a, a lot of progress, but it's kind of continuing that progress. So, you know, making sure that we are still influencing and we are still encouraging other people, you know, within the university and in a wider society as well, to to kind of keep making those positive steps, whether that is the small individual steps that you can make, uh, you know, whilst at work or, or at home, but also the, you know, lobbying for, for bigger governmental change, policy changes, um, you know, organisational change as well. So it, it's a very generalised thing, um, but. But, you know, obviously, uh, until we solve it and until we do reduce emissions to, to a certain degree, that's always going to be the, the challenge for that. And obviously, even even if we do meet that, it's going to be maintaining that. So it's continuously sort of increasing that message. Um, I'm sure that many of our listeners have, have either read or heard about the latest IPCC report on climate change. Uh, which you know sort of highlights the fact that we do still have time to, to make these positive changes, but it's a lot more severe in terms of its language, both in terms of the impacts and the human causes. Um, we'll be sort of touching on on this later on, I'm, I'm sure as well in more detail. But yeah, that's I'll, I'll probably stick to a more sort of generalistic uh, sort of challenge. But whether you've got anything more specific, Ryan. I think just sort of keeping in touch with students and staff has been difficult over this last year. Um, keeping the messaging when people are at home and still engaging people in sustainability outside of um, 
outside of seeing them face to face and being able to sort of speak with students and stuff sort of in person, I think has made it quite difficult. Obviously, we've done stuff online, but I think, again, um, online has its limitations. Um, I know in my last role, sort of online events have their benefits, but also their limitations and um, getting the messaging through can be quite difficult um, over the internet. Some people I've spoken to, not students or staff at the University of London, but just other people I've spoken to are feeling maybe a bit um, helpless with sort of sustainability and sort of climate change. I feel like there's been a lot of bad news and sort of people are a bit jaded with um, hearing sort of bad news in that regard. So I think that's another challenge, how we can sort of stay positive and not let people think that it's too far gone and too big a task to solve. And then people just be like, oh, what's the point anymore? Even though there are things which are very negative and sounding, um, there is, you know, there is positive, there is still help, hope we can still bring around this, you know, sort of global change that is needed. Um, but yeah, sort of making sure that everyone is staying positive and realising what they can contribute to that is, yeah, it, I, I would certainly agree. Outside of the University of Greenwich, what have been some of the major developments in sustainability and environment over the past year? So I know you touched on the IPCC report. Um, are there any other sort of things you would um, like, maybe somebody who's just tuning into sort of sustainability, how would you give them a sort of um, tour of the last year? So yes, and unfortunately, I, I am going to start with the negative here. Um, That's but fine. I will go into the positive. I will go into the positive and the hope. Um, so listeners, just keep listening for you know get get through the next couple of minutes, and there will definitely be positives. Um, but yeah, the the first thing I should probably highlight is actually what's within the IPCC uh, report because it obviously there's been lots of news coverage on it um the actual document itself there were two versions but they're you know they are very lengthy um so if people wanted a sort of a, a quick summary of what this latest report entails uh so to start with this is a report dedicated on climate change it's the sixth report of its nature um i think the first one started around sort of 1980 in the 1980s and it's basically you know, it is everything around climate change, the causes, the impacts, what the future projections are, and then also how we can curb those projections to sort of stay within safe levels. Um, and this is where the, the negatives will start in, in terms of quite, quite sort of stark warnings. But so if we were kind of just, just taking sort of the, the global picture and what's happened in terms of climate. So the global surface temperature is now 1.1 degree higher and this is between 2011 and 2020 and this is compared to 50 years between 1850 and 1900 so that shows that that it is warming um, the past five years have been the hottest on record since 1950 um, the report is also very clear in the fact that human influence is very likely, so it's about a 90% confidence to be the main driver behind the current global warming acceleration. Uh, the difference in the language, so the sort of early on reports were, it was still likely, but it was, you know, sort of, we cautious, cautiously think, and then it was 
we think and then it's you know likely very likely and now it is there's it, it is the reason effectively mm. um and it's sort of virtually certain that since 1950 hot extreme events um have become more frequent and more severe uh you know the, the australian uh bushfires that that happened sort of a year ago um we've all seen on the news you, you know sort of the fires in america and even some fires in sort of the, the, the yorkshire dales and places in in the uk so those events are becoming more extreme and the cold events are actually becoming less frequent and less severe and you might think oh well, that, that might be a good thing in terms of the cold events but actually that's you know that just goes to show that the climate itself is is becoming hotter um in terms of sea level rise projections, so at the moment they're projecting potentially between sort of one to two meters is is likely, um, unless drastic change is taken. And since sort of records began, uh, us humans have emitted 2,400 billion tons of carbon dioxide, um, and I even struggle to, you know, sort of quantify how, how big a number that is. Um, so you know there's no sort of sugar coating it the report is basically a, a code red for for us and the planet it, it is a stark warning um but that's the negative uh so let's let's switch to the positives um <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and the hope and the positives that have happened sort of in the past year um and the first thing is actually going back to that report so even though you know all of that scientific evidence sounds really bad. The scientists behind it are actually more hopeful that if we are able to cut our global emissions by half by 2030 and reach net zero by 2050, we can actually halt these further rises in temperatures. Um, obviously, th th that is a huge target. But if we're able to do it, you know, we, we will go a long way to, to, to solving those issues. And, and the scientists realize that, we do all realize that. Um, so that is actually a positive. You know, if, if we do take action, it will not be the worst case scenario. We will be able to be within, sort of, you know, sort of stay within our limits and, and the planetary limits. Um, in terms of things that are happening sort of nationally, so there are quite a few sources that say that meat consumption, which is, I'm sure listeners are aware, is sort of a big contributing factor of greenhouse gases, uh, both carbon dioxide and, uh, and methane, um, potentially sort of specifically in cattle. Um, but lots more people are actually reducing their meat consumption. Um, I, I will admit that I do, I do still eat meat. Um, we have reduced that consumption um, to around sort of three times a week, and we aim to sort of cut that a little bit further. Um, and we also, uh, me and my fiance, we've sort of cut out all land-based meat for Lent. So that's what we do for Lent. That's what we sort of give up for that for that 40 days. Um, and we've done that the last couple of years. And each year that saves in itself sort of 273 kilograms of CO2 on average. Um, and obviously that, that's only sort of one person, two people. Um, the, the Vegan Society has said that during COVID as well, the one to five Brits have cut down their meat consumption, and that's kind of a similar trend that's been seen in previous years. So that is that is a positive. You know, people are realising their, their sort of spending purchase habits, and they realise the impact that it's having. Um, 
if we go globally, uh, again, probably a, a big thing that did happen was that President Biden and America rejoined the Paris Agreement targets. Um, so under President Trump, they, they pulled out. But what I think it was actually the first thing that Biden did was join America back up to that, which is very positive. Obviously, that is, you know, sort of pushing the momentum and showing that they, you know, they are taking it seriously or that administration is taking it seriously and hopefully we'll see progress. Um, obviously, my fun fact of the energy, uh, International Energy Agency and the fact that renewables are the fastest growing, you know, sort of global power sector expansion and accounted for 90% last year, which is fantastic. Um, and for sort of other things, so I was sort of looking around and sort of things like deforestation, we know is a massive issue, um, but sort of reforestation schemes and, and projects. So since 2000, 59 million hectares of forest have actually been regrown and regenerated, which is an area bigger than France. Um, obviously, again, you know, there's lots more which is still being removed, but the fact that there is starting to be that trend of that amount of space being regenerated is a positive. Um, you know, sort of companies are, are sort of pushing out sort of more uh, sort of green policies and sustainable policies. Um, you know, IKEA have launched the buyback scheme for old furniture and, you know, that's sort of helping to sort of stimulate the circular economy. Um, and the last thing that I will mention is um, I turned 30 this year. Uh, which is very bad for me. Well, I think it's bad, but it's probably not <laughs> in in the grand <laughs> scheme of things. Um, but, uh, and this is in relation to football as well. So obviously England did extremely well in, in the Euros. Obviously we made it to the final, we didn't win, but, you know, still very proud of the team. Um, so as a, as a sort of late 30th birthday present, I bought my first England shirt, which I haven't done for many, many years. So I don't buy them every year. Um, but uh, all England shirts uh, are made, well, the latest England shirts are made of 100% recycled uh, plastic, um, which is which is very good, um, you know, and I think that other sort of clubs and things are doing the same. Um, I would like to know a bit more detail, you know, sort of from the manufacturing things, but on the surface, it is it is positive. And, and that is my quick roundup of some things in in and around sustainability both sort of native and and also hopefully you know the the positive and, and the hope as well yeah there's that's um i feel like that's a really good comprehensive um sort of roundup and i didn't know that about the england shirts so yeah like you said um positive yeah positive thing and i'm sure loads of people bought them this year so it's good to know um so looking forward to 2021 2022 uh sort of in an academic year sense when fingers crossed students return and things are more settled so i know everything's open now but um yeah note that i sidestepped the trap of saying new normal um but what are some of the plans for the sustainability team going into sort of the new academic year yeah and it's very good that you sidestep that i've used the term new normal far too many times i should just yes. I'll, I'll, i will avoid saying that um <laughs> So the, the the sort of main thing for this year is actually recently we, we've hired two students uh, 
in paid positions to join our team for, for this academic year, which, which is fantastic. Um, they, they had brilliant interviews. Um, they've both got really good ideas and that will certainly help push things forwards. Um, it will also double our team um, from the, the two it is currently to, to four, which means that you know we'll be able to push out a lot more information. We'll be able to speak to a lot more students and staff. Uh, we'll be able to visit a lot more areas. Um, so that is a, a very big positive um, that hopefully people will see more in this year. We'll, you know, you'll be able to see our faces more, see us around, see our communications, get to know us a bit better. Uh, so that's, that's, that's going to be a, a very, very positive. Um, obviously, I touched on our sort of net zero commitments. Um, our action plan for that, in addition to our new sustainability strategy, should be published in around the autumn time. Um, that is, again, very exciting. You know, again, I've, I've already touched on it. It's very challenging targets, but, you know, we can make them into reality. And I don't just mean sort of us and the sustainability team, but is going to need all departments, all faculties, all staff, all students to get on boards, help with the innovations, drive the change. Um, so, you know, it, it will be a collective university effort. Um, in terms for what new students are going to see, so we've refreshed a lot of signage in halls to increase their knowledge around sort of basic sustainability things you can do, um, you know, sort of reducing water use, um, you know, sort of putting lids on, on pans to reduce uh, energy consumption, um, sort of more information about what you can, what you can't recycle, making it a bit more visual um, and a bit more sort of simple to, to understand, not making it complicated. So hopefully um, all new students out there will, will see that this year um, and returning students as well. Our communications, like I said, will, will increase. Um, so, so yeah, so the university has reviewed its curriculum framework. Um, this is basically what is within the program. So what students will be taught um, throughout their, their years of studying with us. Um, the review now, it does now include sustainable development. So hopefully students will start seeing more module content um, around sustainability, how it can impact upon your future career, how you can use the topics of sustainability within your sort of taught program. Um, if you want more information or you don't think you've got enough, tell us and, and we'll, you know, sort of help support uh, lecturers and, and those program leaders for how they can embed uh, sustainable development more. Uh, we're also improving volunteering opportunities, so hopefully they'll be more visible. So if you want to volunteer with us, work with us, it will be easier to do so. Um, we'll have lots more opportunities out there, different projects from sort of biodiversity projects through to energy and sort of behavioural change and edible food and things like that. So, you know, if, if anyone that's listening wants to get involved, contact us and we'll hopefully, well, not hopefully, we will be able to find a way of, of supporting and for how you can support us as well. So we discussed COP earlier and um, with COP26 approaching, it will, for those that don't know, take place at the end of October and the beginning of November. 
I'm sure we'll do a specific episode on COP, maybe more than one. Um, but what are you guys doing in the lead up to COP26? Yeah, so that's a very good uh, question, Ryan. I'm, I'm sure, um, and I'm, I will ask what, what uh, your university is doing as well, because it'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, so for, for those that don't know, COP26 is basically a, a UN climate change conference um, where, you know, all national leaders come together and discuss how we can start to really see positive change in terms of reducing our emissions. Uh, COP26 is important for us because it's the first time it's actually held in the UK, so it's going to be held in Glasgow. Um, and you're right, it's sort of the first end of October and I think the first two weeks of November. Uh, I think it finishes on the 10th of November. Um, so in Greenwich, we have, you know, all institutions have got an important role in helping the wider world understand and solve the issues. Um, we've joined the COP26 Universities Network. And we've also signed the Global Climate Letter for universities and colleges to go net zero. Um, we've got some researchers that will actually be exhibiting their work at the conference, which is which is a, a big deal. Um, not everyone can exhibit their research. There was a, a really big application process. So we've got two groups of researchers that are actually going to Glasgow to, to showcase their work. Um, I'm not sure whether I can say what their work is at this moment, because it might be revealed sort of in that time. So I won't say that now, but keep an eye out. Um, there will be communications on that. Um, so that's sort of people that are going to, to the conference. In terms of in a local sort of sense within the university itself, we want to sort of increase the awareness of the projects and the actions that our staff and students are doing to, you know, to, to help tackle climate change. So we've requested uh, basically anyone, um, and if you haven't already, go on to our uh, website, www.greed.ac.uk forward slash sustain forward slash COP26, and then you'll find sort of an application form. Um, but we're kind of highlighting the work that all our academics and students and professional staff are doing. You'll see articles on our website. We're doing social media posts. Hopefully, we'll also have some physical elements. So maybe if we're looking at a photo exhibition, there might well be a couple of sculptures that people can sort of interact with in in November. Um, and also, what we're combining COP26 with is our Green Week. So that is an annual week that we do every year. It's it is normally in November, but we've specifically made it for the first week of COP. Um, basically sort of increasing awareness of what we're doing uh, and all the actions that we men I mentioned previously. Um, but this time it's going to be focusing on climate change, the, the, the knowledge of carbon emissions, the knowledge of carbon footprinting, helping people to understand that, how they can calculate their own and, and sort of set targets. Um, so for all listeners, keep a lookout. We'll be sort of pushing out comms um, and there'll be lots of events happening during that week. So please when when they are there come along um there will be a mix as well um so there will be some virtual events and some physical events so you can sort of pick and choose whether you're able to get there or whether you feel sort of safer just just listen to an online lecture um so yeah that's all sort of what what we're doing um is that similar to what uh you're doing ryan at your university 
Yeah, so um, in terms of sort of, yeah, COP stuff, lots of um, information for students. Um, I think we're doing some sort of like webinar episodes about it. Um, yeah, just yeah, very similar in terms of I think a lot of um, universities around the country are going to be doing similar stuff. So um, yeah, sort of in line. Brilliant, fantastic. And just my final question, uh, we always like to sort of end on a high note. Um, what's the reason to be optimistic looking forward in terms of sustainability and the environment over the next year? So I was thinking about this and I'm, I'm going to keep it fairly simple um, in terms of sort of the op optimistic, uh, you know, sort of nature and, uh, and the hope and everything. It, and sort of my simple thing is actually that the, conversa the conversations around sustainability and climate change and the environmental issues is actually improving so much. It's, it's a lot easier now to have a discussion around climate change with, you know, it doesn't have to be work colleagues, but with friends. I've, I've had conversations with my friends, with my family, um, with, you know, sort of other, other groups I'm, I'm a part of. And actually that discussion is, is a very easy one to have now. Um, obviously, you know, people might have different opinions on, on what to do, but because it is, you know, it is accepted or widely accepted by the huge majority that humans are influencing climate change and, and we do need to act. Um, you know, the, the kind of sharing ideas that are happening between, you know, sort of friends and family and, and things like that is, is really positive. And I think that's a really good um, sort of outlier for, for that hope in terms of so many more people are aware of it. So many more people are taking actions. I've definitely learned myself um you know from what other people are doing not realizing that you know that there was products that existed before but now we've sort of switched to them um and sort of simple things like that so yeah just conversations are a lot easier to happen around climate change yeah i definitely agree um in terms of one of the um the aspects that i'm optimistic about is like you said people are no longer sort of debating whether it's um, being caused by humans, people are um, widely accepting that that's a fact. And also people are becoming more, um, I feel like across all of my friends who don't work in sustainability or environmental stuff, I feel like sustainability is becoming more important within their jobs as well. So I think it's becoming sort of a focal point of every, every sort of um, aspect in terms of people's professional careers and stuff. Um, so, yeah, thank you for listening um, and I'd encourage the listener to have a look at the Greenwich Sustainability website. Uh, I know David said there are a few things that are going to be on there in the next year or so. So it's a great hub for um, sustainability information. And here at the podcast, we're always looking for new podcast episode ideas. So get in touch if you'd like to be on an episode to say you're doing something to do with sustainability as a student or staff member. Or if you have an idea for a topic, yeah, please get in touch with us. Um, you can just email the sustainability team and they'll pass it on to me. But yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And thank you, David, for being on yet another episode. Brilliant. Thank you, Ryan.